0: Okay, some celebrations last week. Um, we didn't get to celebrate Rosella because we didn't have church, but it was Rosella's birthday on the 27th. And then I don't want to put her on the spot, but it's Kelly's birthday today. <laughs> um, we do have prayer and worship tonight at seven o'clock. Feels like we haven't had it in forever. Um, just come to that if you can. It's always a, a great time. Uh, we have moms next Tuesday at 6.30, and that's kind of coming to, to an end. We have two left of those before school is out, which is crazy to think that school is already uh, going to be over, but um, Wednesday night Bible studies um, for all ages, 7 p.m. As always, we'll have dinner for the kids about 6.15, 6.30, um, and then all women are invited. Um, if you didn't get um, one of these papers that kind of looks like this on the screen, um, I have the, the information for that, but it's this Friday at 6.30 here at the church. All women are invited. Um, bring your daughters. And um, it's invite a friend and just come and be blessed. It's, uh, we're just asking everybody to bring a finger food. And um, if you wanna donate a door prize, just bring it ready to go. Um, for that night. And then men's breakfast is this Saturday at 9 a.m. at the Country Kettle. Men, please have the introduction and chapters one and two read and ready to discuss. Um, Pastor Justin put the new calendars for May out in the foyer. If you haven't already grabbed one, they're out there. And then, um, is it the benefit? Is the next one? Mike uh, asked me to add um, Doug Shell. Uh, they're doing a benefit for him at um, Jimmy's in Hazen. Uh, they're doing Fleisch Kikla. and it's from 10 to 2 and it's $7. I know it's hard to read up there, but his motorcycle group is the one hosting that, so um, go over there if you need to get lunch, and then we are, Brian, I don't know, He's up here. He did um, something called Field of Faith. It was their first one at the high school, and it was such a good turnout. It was such a good time, and so um, we have some pictures that Logan's going to kind of just flip through when I get down, but I think uh, it's something that we're going to do every year now, and so anybody's welcome. So next year, if you didn't go, make sure you go and um, I think there was like 80 plus people there. So for the first one, it was a great turnout. And um, so we're proud of you, Brian.
1: Uh, first of all, I just want to thank everybody from the church. Uh, for the church donated some money to hand out some uh, Gospel of John study guides for the students. So thank you for that. We had a great um, response from our community churches, the Ministers Association, and a couple other ones donated money for some free ice cream. and some, uh, We had some bracelets. One I'm wearing here has got different scripture verses on there. Uh, we passed off. So that was really amazing. Uh, we had a couple girls, um, Anna and Ellie Holen from uh, University of Jamestown, who play volleyball, um, their their mom lives in town and one of their daughters plays for me in high school. And so they came to share their testimony, they just, one's a senior, one's a sophomore, and they were recently saved in Jesus Christ at, during college and talked about their, their um, you know, glory to God, but struggles that they deal with in college, um, being a saved Christian. So that was really good. And then we opened it up for student testimony, and Rex came down and testified. And I don't know if we had four or five Beulah kids. We had um, a big crew from the Minot West Church of God that came down, uh, a couple from Dickinson, um, Quite, I probably had maybe 30 to 40 kids just from Beulah, the different churches in Beulah, so I was really excited about that. I saw a lot of kids um, there for a fellowship of Christian athletes, and so it was just good. To me, I loved hearing the student testimonies, there were some really powerful information impactful things. So um, thanks to Logan and Kira. Um, they helped me set up the gym all day Friday afternoon and we got some fun lights and, and just coordinating. coordinate all that. Kira ran my computer like I always freak out about having everything just perfect and she did a fantastic job. So give those two a, a round of applause. Had, um, Pastor Seth Larson, he's from Prince of Peace. He uh, also helps with our FCA meetings at school. He, uh, him, and Logan did a little uh, gospel scripture reading for us, and, and just we had some, you know, just parents that helped serve ice cream and and hand out stuff. So it was, uh, it just really filled my heart to see the support of this community, and and lots of people. I don't want to forget anybody, but I know I saw I saw Kelvin and Lisa were there, Carol was there, the Shanahan's were there, Justin and Jessica were there. Logan was there. Was that Lois was there? Yep, I remember Lois. So just thank you guys. It meant a world to me. Just to see your faces there supporting that event. So thank you everybody.
2: Well, that sounds like a great a great time. You know, I wanna I am a big word person. I I um to me. The words are what strike me first in something. And yeah, I have been a reader all my life. Um, from the time I could read, I'm sure. But I, I, I was a big reader. and So what, when I read the Bible, sometimes I like to look up what the words mean. Have you ever done that? you know, it's, uh, you got to have that big old concordance to do it. But um, you don't want to carry it around anywhere. You just want to look in it. But in Matthew 26, I know I'm a couple weeks behind, but that was the weather's fault. But in Matthew 26, we talk about, the Bible talks about the Last Supper. And Jesus wasn't blind to what was going to happen to him. He knew what was going to happen. He knew his purpose. He knew why he was here on earth. And he, knew, he wasn't blind to it. And in verse 30, it says, After singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives, and the process required for our redemption began. After singing a hymn, the last thing Jesus did, the last worship with his followers he did, was to sing was to worship, and you know him in the Greek, the New Testament is Greek, was written in Greek originally, it's hymnio, and I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. That's the southern Greek, hymnio, okay? And it means to laud, or to celebrate God in song. So I want to invite you to come to the front, and hymnio celebrate God in song you you don't have to come right up here if you want to you can stand right there by the chairs you can stand in the aisle but there's something about the corporate act of worship of our voices together that brings victory the sound of victory is the voice of praise did you know that the sound of victory is the voice of praise so if you have something that you're on your heart, something that you're going through, something that you need help with, I encourage you to come come to the front and join with your brothers and sisters up here and praise and see if you don't have victory.
3: Reading from First Corinthians 11, beginning verse 23, Scripture says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You can predict the bread. In the same way also he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You can take the cup. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for another opportunity to be in your house with your people. God, to sing praises to you, God, to worship you, but Father, to also learn from your word. And so, Jesus, I pray that everything that is said during this service will bring glory and honor to you, Father. And Father, I need your help today to get through this sermon, so I pray that you would anoint me, that you would strengthen me, God, that you would be with us here today, Father, for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Um, yeah, give me for being emotional. Uh, as most you know, our our home is gonna experience a transition here on Thursday, and so um, just bear with us and, and if you'll turn in your Bibles to first to Peter chapter three, we're gonna continue in our our series on elect exiles from First Peter. But last time we, and it seems like we've not been in this for a while. Sorry, there's Children's Church if anybody wants to go. Um, It seems like it's been forever since we've been in 1 Peter. But last time we talked about um, the importance of submitting to to government when it's functioning properly and how wives and husbands are to glorify each other. And we made it through it okay. I don't think there's any lasting damage from that sermon. So um, we'll try and get through the rest of this today. But... You know as as we dig into God's word, I know that that we make our plans. we have ideas of what's going to happen. we have ideas um, you know when when we when I especially get a series I, I plan it out and what I think is going to happen is not always what happens so it's not coincidence that today um, this message is is what I have and um, maybe just be begin to prepare your heart and your mind to to hear what the Lord has to say today. In 1 Peter 3, verse 8, we read, Finally all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. And the word here, finally, it goes back to what we've already been looking at. And so because we are elect exiles, because we're chosen by God to live in a world that is no longer our home, and because we're a royal priesthood, a chosen generation, because we are to show our relationship to Christ through how we react to uh, government institutions and, and the institution of marriage. Then, finally, after all of that, taking all of that into consideration, we're to have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. And so, I want to look at, at each one of these in turn. And, and this is kind of a, a transition, a transitional uh, scripture in First Peter. It takes everything that we've talked about, but it's also going to point to everything that we're going to talk about. And so, unity of mind. This this does not mean uniformity of mind. We're not all supposed to be. Uh, autonomous robots. It's its not something that, that means that we all have to think exactly the same, but it it, it does mean something. And, and Warren Worsby says the following, and it's worth taking note of. He says, unity means cooperation in the midst of diversity. The members of the body together in unity, even though they are all different, Christians may differ on how things are to be done, but they must agree on what is to be done and why. And D.L. Moody shares a, a story of, of a time when he was evangelizing and. And somebody came to him and, and had an issue with the way that he evangelized. And uh, D.L. Moody said that he's always open to being corrected. So he, he asked the gentleman, he said, well, what is your way of doing evangelization? And the gentleman looked at him and just said, I, I don't have a way. And D.L. Moody says, well, if you don't mind, then I'm just going to stick with what I'm doing. And, and so it, this, this, this unity of mind does not mean that, that we, we all have to be of the, uh, the exact same thinking, but even though we're all gonna have opinions, we need to get to the point where we don't criticize what we're not willing to pick up and do. It's really easy to uh, to look at people that are doing things and, and and say, well, I wouldn't do that, or they should do this, or they should do that. But when you're in the hot seat, it's a little bit different. So u- unity is is so important. And it means that diversity is celebrated. There's a lot of different ways to do a lot of different things. And a lot of times, as minds come together and look at things, uh, a better way to, to do things comes up. But we have to have unity of mind. The second thing listed is sympathy, and we're also going to include brotherly love in it because they, they walk in hand in hand, and uh, some translations translate that word as as pity, but it doesn't carry the negative connotations that, that we associate with it with the now. It means to have compassion, and it's really hard to have compassion on people that you think you're better than. Um, in the biblical sense of the word, it's really hard, and Hardness of heart sets in. We, we tend to look at people and we say, well, if they just this or if they just that. But what, what the Lord is wanting us to do here is to, to look beyond what we think and look more importantly into who that person is. And there is not one person alive that does not have value in the eyes of God. And so when we look at situations, it's easy to withhold compassion. But when we look at people, it should be easier to give. Uh, Romans 12, 15 through 16 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. And even in the book of First Peter itself, we have multiple attestations to this principle. First Peter 1, 22-23 says, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. 1 Peter 2.17 says honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. 1 Peter 4.8 says above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. In church, the, the next thing <clears throat> excuse me, on that list is, is a tender heart. And this is something that we have to make sure that we keep because God's the one that's given us our hearts of flesh anyways. Ezekiel 36.25-27 says I will sprinkle clean water on you. And you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses, and from all your idols, I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. And you might think that that doesn't matter that it's just just God saying about things that we should have, but I want to explain that that this is so crucial. To, to everything in our Christian walk. Romans 2, 1 through 11, it's, it's a big passage, but I want to read it. it. It shows why this is so important, why we have to have compassion, and why we, we need to have tender hearts. It says, Therefore, you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek, but glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek, for God shows no partiality. And moving to, to, to Matthew to look at what First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court. This your accuser hand you over to the judge, and the judge to the guard, and you be put in prison. Truly, I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny." And so it's worth taking a good long look at where we sit when it comes to a tender heart, to to compassion. The last thing in that list is a humble mind. And, and there's a passage in Philippians I want us to go to that really, I don't think you could find another passage of Scripture that so beautifully describes what a humble mind looks like. In Philippians 2, 1 through 11. It says, So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any particip- participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. When, when we look at, at this this passage, everything that's listed in verse 1 is found in Christ and so because of everything that's listed in verse 1 is found in Christ then we are to live and have the same mind as Christ did that we we don't count ourselves greater than what we are that we humble ourselves it doesn't matter if we're born in here or not that we humble ourselves and we look to others and we, our our goal in life should be to honor God and in the way that we can most honor Christ and bring glory to the Father is when we live by the Spirit and obey the Word of God and so these are not just suggestions. These are not just things that, that uh, Peter writes just to, to people that are suffering and, and, and dealing with things just because it sounds good. He's writing to them because they're spiritual principles. One of the best ways to get through suffering, one of the best ways to get through life on this earth is, is to, to not have anything between you and somebody else, especially a brother or sister in Christ. You cannot be of one mind if you hate each other's guts. You cannot be of one mind if there's such an issue between you that you cannot fellowship. We, we came up and took communion and, and, and we fellowshiped it. And that's what Jesus did the, the, the night of the Last Supper was he fellowshiped with his disciples. There was fellowship there. And so when we come and we, we partake of communion but we know that there's this huge issue that's just sitting like, a, like an elephant right in the room between us and somebody else, we've negated all of this scripture. By our own preference, by our own personal self-centeredness. As we move through this, it's gonna get I think really come into focus that the church a church without unity is as weak as they come. A church can sing good songs, a church can have uh, the loudest pastor that runs and, and screams and runs up and down aisles and, and sweats and waves a suit coat around. If it's not in unity, it doesn't matter. The church has to have unity. So 1 Peter 3, nine says, Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. There, there's three levels of living that we can, we can choose to live by. The first is to repay evil for good, which is a satanic level. The level that, that belongs to the devil. And, and under no circumstance should Christians ever be in a place where they are known as people that return evil for good? It shouldn't even be spoken of among God's people. If somebody does good to you and you do evil to them because of it, there's nothing of God in that. The second level is repaying good for good and evil for evil, which is an entirely humanistic level. It's the bare base minimum of what it means to be human. It's living under the motto of, I'm going to do to you what you do to me. And a lot of people, even though they, don't, they won't say they live that way, their lives shout louder than their words and they actually do live that way. It's a very safe place to live because it, it allows you to maintain your self-interest and, and, and your self-protection because you have a way of justifying why you're doing to others what, what you're doing. If somebody comes and they, they, they speak bad about you, you feel justified by going and speaking bad about them. Uh, rarely does it ever work where somebody comes and just speaks horribly about you, you pray over them and bless them. That's not normally how it works. So this is an area that, that we've got to be really careful about because even though we know we're not called to live here, it's an area where a lot of us can fall into. The, the third level is to repay evil with goodness, with blessing. And this is the spiritual level. This is what the Christian level is. And, and this is the one that hurts. And to be honest with you, this is something that, that I, I struggle with. It, it's not that I want to withhold grace because I, of all people, I have no right to withhold grace from anybody. Christ has forgiven me for so much but it's it's that sense of 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 justice that that wars with that sense of mercy. There's a tension there, and it's not the easiest thing to figure out. But First Peter two twenty one through twenty three says, "For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in His steps." So we are called called to follow in Christ's steps. He committed no sin; neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. And, and it's hard to be confronted with this kind of truth because it goes directly against our flesh nature. It, 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 it doesn't hurt our spiritual nature to do this, but it, it certainly does mess with our, our flesh nature. And so we have a tendency when we come to scriptures like this to, to put them in a little box. We, we hear them, but they, they come in our ears and they go straight in that box and we slam that lid shut and they just stay there. And, and maybe they die there. Maybe we slowly pull them out. But for the most part, once they're shut in that box, they, they don't come back out. And this is the hard part, is because we can't just hear God's Word. We've got to internalize it. We've got to let it go to where it's meant to go. And so I want to encourage you to, to push through that defense mechanism today, to, to not just stop it here, but to let it go here. And, and so I'm, I'm going to push a little bit. And I want you to think about a time that you've been hurt in your life and and, and was your first instinct to, to instantly bless that person? And I think that most of us would have to say no. But I want you to also look at Christ and think about how you've hurt him, both prior to salvation and after salvation. And then see how he still blesses you and I. See, when we look at each other, or we look at ourselves in the mirror, it's easy to have that sense of justification. But when we look at Christ, we don't have anything. So I, I want you to, to, to think about something, and you're probably getting uncomfortable, and that's a good thing, because, I mean, if you guys get too comfortable in church, then not doing a good job. So, Logan, we need to add a laughing track, because there should have been some laughter to that. I want, I want to take it a step further, and, and I, I want you to think about, in your mind's eye, who's currently hurting you right now, an, an evil that, that's been done to you that you're, you're struggling with, an, an evil that, that you carried into church with you, the, the, the hurt and the pain from that, that you expected to walk out carrying. And I want you to think about the person that did that to you, and then I want you to ask yourself this question, can you bless them? Can you bless them? In Isaiah fifty three seven, we read the following: It says, "He was oppressed," and it's talking about Jesus. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted; yet he opened not his mouth, like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. In Luke twenty three thirty four, we read the following: And Jesus said, "Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do," and they cast lots to divide his garments. Ephesians four thirty through 32 And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. I could have just chose those scriptures today. We could have spent all day on just those ones. But I want you to look at that very last phrase, as God in Christ forgave you. Moving back to 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 10-12, through 12, we read the following. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. In church, you might be sitting here today thinking that this is just all, all too much. I mean, how how in the world are you supposed to bless somebody that's hurt you? How, how are you supposed to, to look at somebody that is currently hurting you and, 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 and bless them? How are you supposed to not rise up with, with righteous indignation and a sense of, of justice against the wrongs that have been done and, and demand that they make things right. What does that even look like to to bless somebody that's hurt you? And the reason that we don't know what that looks like is because it doesn't happen very often. But that's not how God has asked us to make it work. He's he's asked us to to make it work according to his word and God's word tells us that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. So we have to fight this battle the way that God has asked us to And, and if we do, then we'll get the results that God has promised to us. And I can tell you that There's a number of things that will completely damn up the move of the Holy Spirit in your life. Hurt that you can't get over. Anger that you can't let go of. Unforgiveness that you can't give. And when you look at at the life of Christ... You know, if anybody had reason to stand up and accuse those that were doing evil to him, he did. And he did not. And th- this portion that we just read in First Peter, it comes out of Psalm 34. And I want us to, to quickly look at that chapter. But what I want us to understand is that there's a, a, lot, there's a lot of hurt that you experience in this life. Some of it comes uh, just from dumb decisions. We bring it on ourselves. But most of the deep hurts are not anything that anybody's ever asked for. It's not something that you walk in the door and you say, I'm here, hurt me all you want, I can take it. It's unexpected. It comes from people that are close. It comes from people that you never thought would hurt you. It comes from people that are not supposed to hurt you. But as we get ready to move into the rest of 1 Peter where we talk a lot about suffering and suffering for Christ, there's a reason that that this scripture is put the way it's put and that Peter encourages the readers of that letter to consider themselves because unity will help you face persecution and suffering. Disunity creates more persecution and suffering. And so in Psalm 34, we read the following psalmist says, I, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Good or bad, we're praising the Lord. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. We boast in who God is, what he has done, what he's doing, and what he will do. It says, well, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Unity is needed to exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. So the very things that you're afraid of, the very things that that, that the devil or your friends or the world or whoever it is has done to you, the very things that you're afraid of is what God will deliver you from. He says, those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. So when you look to God and you come to him with all your mess and all your struggles and all your hurt and all your anger and you look to him, you won't be ashamed He says, this poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. We have nothing to rest on, nothing to rely on except for Christ himself. That's it. But it says the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. It says the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Fearing God means that we put him above us. You cannot fear God if you put yourself above him. That means that we hear the word of God, we respond to the word of God, and we do according to the word of God. Verse 8 says, "O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Verse 9, Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, O oh children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? This is what we're reading out of First Peter. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit turn away from evil and do good, seek peace and pursue it. There's a difference between seeking peace while you're sitting. That's not pursuing peace. Pursuing peace means you get up out of your seat and you chase after it. You chase after the one that's hurt you. You chase after the one that has done you wrong and you pursue peace. 15 says, the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears are toward their cry when you cry out to god he will hear the face of the lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth when the righteous cry for help the lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles you have no greater hope in this life than christ himself verse 18 the lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushing spirit so even if you feel like you're at wit's end even if you've got your church face on and you're you've got that defense mechanism built up even if you are at your wits' end, it says the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushing spirit. So, no matter how badly you have been hurt, no matter how much evil currently sits against you, no matter who has done it, God is near to you and He will save you. Out of the deepest broken heart and out of the most crushing affliction, you can be saved goes further and says many are the afflictions of the righteous but the Lord delivers him out of them all we don't like verse 19 because it says many are the afflictions of the righteous we'd rather have it say the righteous will suffer no affliction but that's not how it works many are the afflictions of the righteous but taking all that into account the Lord delivers him out of them all he keeps all his bones not one of them is broken affliction Will slay the wicked. You see the difference. The righteous and their afflictions are delivered; the wicked and their afflictions are slayed. And those who hate righteous—sorry, hate the righteous—will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of His servants. None of those who take refuge in Him will be condemned. And so th- today, as we sit and and we're in church together, I'm, I'm going to make this as, as brutally personal as I can, because there's times where where I don't share much from a, a personal standpoint. But I told you at the beginning of the sermon that that it, it felt on this day for a reason. We were sitting down uh, at, at the barbershop on Wednesday. Um, Logan Conine was there, he was getting a haircut, it looks good. Uh, Connor was there, he got a haircut, it looks awesome. Uh, I was there, I got a haircut, and it. Oh, You guys are awesome, thank you. Uh, but Jessica was there and, and she got up, she got a phone call and, and got up and went out and came back in and I could just see on her face, horror. And that was a phone call that came from the social worker. And so our Wednesday went from being a Wednesday where all I was worried about was the annual business meeting, not not in a bad way, not because it's me against you, but just because it's a lot of stuff to go through, to being one that I, I I wish that we just would have woke up on a different day. And the first thing that goes through our mind, we've been through this a number of times, but the first thing that goes through my mind always is I cannot believe I took him for granted. I cannot believe that I I didn't spend as much time with him as I could have. I can't believe that I got frustrated at him. I can't believe that I I acted in anger when I was frustrated at somebody else. So all these things go through my mind. And I want to tell you guys something. I was a foster parent before I was a pastor. And God has taught me so much about myself and so much about what it means to, to shepherd sheep through foster care. And I, I I say all that because we too often take each other for granted. We, we, we hurt each other's feelings. We, we, we cause offense towards each other and, and we just take it for granted because... We'll see him next Sunday. And, 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 and because we can come and we can still worship and we, we still get these goosebumps, we think that somehow it doesn't matter. But when your family is getting ripped apart, it matters. And you take time and you realize that the last thing that you want to have happen is for anything to be carried on that breakup that's negative. And so the people that are sitting next to you and beside you and in front of you and behind you, they're they're not just people, they're family. And that's one thing that that we've always sought to do wherever we've been pastoring is to create a church family, not a group of church people, not members and non-members, not not those that we like and those that we don't, but but family. Because this matters. And, And what Peter is writing is he's writing to family. He's not writing to just people that call themselves Christians that have nothing to do with each other. He's writing to family. And so what he says matters. And so I, I want you to think about the the if there's somebody that has hurt you, and they, they might be in this building. They they might be sitting five seats away from you. Only you and them know that. But I want you to think about the hurt that you currently that you currently carry with. And and, and church, nobody is immune to this. We all carry hurts, but that hurt when it's not dealt with, when it's not laid at the feet of the Lord, when it's not given, when we keep it and we hold it, it turns from being a hurt that was done to us to hurt that we're doing to ourselves. And it stifles and it smothers and and it takes a heart that's seeking after God and it puts poison in there. And the heart that's seeking after God, instead of blessing those that that hurt us, we we, we speak poison out. And, and, And James talks about having two different things come out of the same mouth. Blessings and curses, it shouldn't be that way. And so when when we're sitting here today, I've had nothing to do the last couple days. I'm speaking metaphorically. I I don't want to get fired. But think about why I said some of the things I said, why I did some of the things I did. And thank God he's so little because he, he doesn't understand that. But then I look at church people and I think, you know, I wonder how much church hurt is sitting in our midst. I wonder how, you know, if we could put a face and a body to the hurts that exist, how many of these seats would be filled with that? Because we've prayed for a lot of things in this church. We're excited about a lot of things in this church. God is doing some amazing things in this church. But he's working through vessels that aren't fully open. And they're not fully open because they've been dammed up with the hurts that have been given or received. And not not just in church. I'm talking about all hurts. And so if if we're going to take God's word seriously and we're going to look at what God is saying, I want you to picture in your mind that that, that hurt that you're struggling with. Whether it's a hurt you've done to somebody and my goodness, if you have hurt somebody and you know it, go to them. Make it right. Don't make them come beg you. Don't make them... Be the kind of person that frees yourself and frees them from the bondage that is over that relationship. But if you've been hurt by somebody, there's a chance they may not even know they've hurt you. Now, I know that when we're hurt, it's huge to us. But sometimes we don't know we've hurt other people. And they don't know that they've hurt us. So get that face in your mind. But as you're looking at that face, I want you to shift. And I want you to, to, to again, see Christ. His arms are extended and open. He, he's, he's beckoning us to come to him. And when you look at your hurt, it's huge. That's why we don't look at it. That's why we just push it off to the side and we don't deal with it. But when you look at Christ, he's so much bigger than any hurt we could go through. And then when you look at that person and you look at them in the light of Christ, the hurts that we suffer this side of heaven pale in comparison to the glory that awaits for us in heaven. In church, either we believe that each other matters or that those that we've hurt matter or that those that have hurt us matter or we don't. So I'm going to ask that that as you are are getting that that image in your mind, I'm going to ask for boldness. Because one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is he gives us the boldness to obey the Word of God. It's not just just goosebumps and, 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 and happiness, it's boldness its power to fight against our flesh nature so that we can become formed and shaped into the image of Christ. So I'm going to ask you that if, if you've been hurt by somebody and they are not here, that you would come to the altar and forgive them, no matter who it is. And I'm, not, I'm not talking about the kind of forgiveness where we just cry a little bit and then we go home and, and we, we, we pick up our anger right back there at the door. I'm talking about the kind where we we forgive them, where we take a long, good, hard look at ourselves and we say, you know, I have been forgiven of so much. I can't be the one that doesn't extend forgiveness. Maybe it's somebody here. And I'm telling you, if somebody comes up to me and says that they've hurt me, it's going to shock me, but it's going to heal. Unity matters and we're walking through this this book of 1st Peter verse by verse right I didn't plan it this way I didn't know it was gonna happen this way when I planned the calendar I didn't realize all the other things that were gonna happen including the the bipolar North Dakota weather that can't make up its mind whether we're having church or not I didn't plan any of that but what I can tell you is that that when God is walking a church and, and this has come up so many times and, and, and there's times where, where the Lord will just gently encourage he'll gently encourage you to, to do something then there's times where maybe he'll he'll give you a pretty firm nudge to do something this is the third or fourth time that this theme has been presented to this church in church either we are going to be doers of the word or we're just going to be hearers of the word and, and it's up to us God's already done his part He's already had the Word go forth. He's already given us the Spirit. So either we're going to take God seriously at His Word and we're going to move together in a direction that glorifies and honors Him, or we're going to let these petty little uh, differences and and, and things that come between us separate what God is trying to do into Him having to wait patiently while we get our act together to follow Him and, and get over ourselves enough to do what God's asking us to do. But when we came here, I felt like God spoke something in my heart and he said, run after me, run, not saunter. I don't know if that's a saunter, that's the best I can come up with, but run. And I can't run after God if I'm fighting this battle and I'm fighting this battle and I'm fighting this battle and I'm fighting this this one over here and that one. I can't run if I'm shackled up in my own chains because I won't forgive somebody. What would it look like to run after God wholeheartedly? To let everything that's been done pale when you look at your Savior? Because in all reality, none of that matters when you look at Him. And that's not just cliche. That's not just me saying, hey, you know, cowboy up. It's saying, listen, look at your Savior. Look at the one that bled and died and gave Himself for you and compare his love and His mercy and His grace with the offense that was given to you that you're carrying like it's the biggest boulder you've ever carried? Is He not able to remove it? And is He not worthy of coming to Him to have it removed? So as you sit, be bold. Be bold. Everything that's going to happen in this church happens with us first. If we're waiting for a whole host of people to come in and start revival in this church, it's not going to happen. It starts with us. Revival comes through unity. If you cannot say that you are completely unified in this church or with people in your life, then you need to be in these altars. Or you need to be talking to that person. Would you stand? Let will at least get you out of your seat, and then if there's anything that needs to happen, let it happen. But Logan's going to turn this up, and I'm, I'm, I'm begging you with all I have to not take each other for granted. To make it right between you and whoever's here, or you and whoever's out there. And if you come up here, and you forgive somebody here and you have the ability to go to them after church imagine the shock on their face when you show up at their door and you say listen I forgive you and then you explain why because Christ has forgiven you so much and you cannot hold it against them you just might win a brother or sister
4: amen as we close um, let us uh, continually keep our our pastor's family in his prayer and our prayers is throughout this week that we would lift them up, that we would encourage them. Because um, if I know one thing about this family, is they're a family of prayer and of encouragement that they love each and every one of y'all so, so deeply. Um, so let us do the same this week, uh, that we would lift them up and love them as much as and more than they have loved us and cared for us in our times of mo- and, ne- and moments of uh, need and hurt. Um, so... Um, I see it fitting to close in the uh, Lord's Prayer uh, this morning. And if you know the Lord's Prayer, please feel free to pray as I pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us.